Okay, so we're up to Daf Yud Zayin Amid Aleph. We are four lines into the page. So we, we've sort of seen over the last Daf regarding the Aseris Hashvatim, we've sort of seen two opinions. The Gemara up to now has been of the opinion that the Aseris, first of all, the Aseris Hashvatim, the Gemara assumes are Jewish. Now, the reason why we assume they're Jewish, this is important just halachically, it's Negea with the Russian Jews, even now with the Ukrainians. The, the Ramban writes in Yavamis, it's these sugyas, Kalo'ayme Yisrael Ani Nemon. A non Jew says he's Jewish, that's it. Nemon, Nemon, Nemon. Even for the Russian, Nemon. Even if they're not from Nemon, that is it. So the Sarah Shrothim say they're Jewish, so they're Jewish. Now, okay, so one opinion is that they're just Jewish. We've seen in the previous Ahmed that they're Mamzerim. Why? Because that opinion holds that there's intermarriage. Jews and non-Jews, therefore, if you have a non-Jewish man with a Jewish woman, the baby is a Mamzer. That's this past opinion. We don't pass in that way. So you sort of have two opinions. You have either it's a Mamzer, according to that Shita, or not a Mamzer, according to everyone else. Now we're going to have a third opinion. This third opinion is, Kiamrisa Kamei Shmuel, when he told this view to Shmuel, that what? That if a that if a non-Jew from the land of the Aseris HaShvatim is Mekadosh and Isha, you have to worry about the Kedushin because the Aseris HaShvatim in those areas are full of Mamzerim. So he says, when I told this to Shmuel, he said, no. He says, it's not Mamzerim. They're all Goyim. Why? Because when the mom's a guy, the child's a guy. Okay. Meaning... As we'll see in a moment, Shmuel was never worried about the Jewish women giving birth. He says the only one that gives birth in those areas from the Sarasashratim are the non-Jewish women. I mean, the biggest concern is a Jewish man with a non-Jewish woman, the child's a guy. So why is he not worried about the Jewish women giving birth? Meaning, he's saying that the, the, the Jewish from the women from the Sarasashratim don't give birth. Just the men. Well, why would that be? Meaning, and if it's just the men, then they're all guy. Why, why are we not worried about the Jewish women? See, the Gemara says... Um, what about the Jewish women? So the Gemara says, We have a tradition that the first generation of the women, the women of the Asar Sashwatim, due to the stress of the traveling, they couldn't have kids. Therefore, the only children that were coming from the Asar Sashwatim were from Jewish men with non Jewish women. That's the tradition that Shmuel has. Therefore, in other words, the Yisrael Shratim are Goyim. So according to this opinion, all the Yisrael Shratim are Goyim. Because if you have a population where all the Jewish women can't give birth, and the only one, and, and therefore the only children that come from this, uh, from, this, uh, from this lineage is from Jewish men with non-Jewish women, then non-Jewish women give birth, the children are Goyim. So therefore, basically, Shmuel holds. It's not a problem, because there's no such thing as Yisrael Shratim. They're all Goyim. Again, so this is a new opinion. I, I, again, I'm not saying how we pass it, it's not for now, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. But we had yesterday the Jewish mamzerim, or Jewish not mamzerim, if you hold that a guy having a Jew with a Jewish woman is not a mamzer, which is how we pass it. Or now, Shmuel Shittas, they're all going. Because, because those women couldn't give birth, because of the, the, strenu, strenu, uh, the strain of the travel. Therefore, the only children coming out from the Sarasa Shavatim were from Jewish men with non-Jewish women. Non-Jewish women are going. I guess they couldn't convert, they didn't know how to do geras. Or those women were not interested in gayers, because that would be in a, that would be a, that would have been smart. They didn't think of it. They convert the women then, but they they intermarried. So basically, they intermarried at a hundred percent rate. So they're all guy. That's Shmuel Shita.
And the Kedamri, some say that Shmuel just said it more succinctly. He says all of them are goyim. Because they gave birth to foreign people. Meaning, in other words, Shmuel Shid is the Sarsa Shazam all goyim. Okay. Fine. Now we're just going to finish the, the finish the parak, which is a shtigal gadita. Yosef, Rav Yosef. So what is the case here that? I guess it's a machlagas. I guess it's a machlagas. Yeah, I'm sorry. So can you explain that? Can you explain Shmuel's case again? Well, Shmuel Shita is that the Aseris Hashvatim, all the women from the Aseris Hashvatim, couldn't give birth. So you're, you're not producing any Jewish children. The only children coming from this are from Jewish men marrying to non-Jewish women, which creates a guy, because we go by the mom. So in other gotcha. words, in other words, according to Shmuel, this, the Sarah Shvatim became guy. That's the shita. Therefore, you never, if a guy is mekadosh and you never have to worry that they're Jewish because there are no Jews from the Sarah Shvatim anymore. That's Shmuel shita. Okay, Yosef, Rav Yosef, Is that what Rav Ovadia relied on? No, no, no. Ravadia held that they're Jewish. Oh, never mind. Ramosha was chayshish for this. Ramosha was chayshish for this shita. But again, I, I, practical halach, I'm not sure. Yosef Rav Yosef acharid of Kahana. The Yosef of Kahana came there of Yehuda. Yosef Gomer. Asidin Yisrael of the Yomitamek Yichavu Tarmud. We said yesterday Tarmud was a city where a lot of goy, a lot of mamzerim happened because that was the city where the Jewish women were attacked or the servants of Shlomo married Jewish women. We're not sure what happened, but there was a tremendous amount of intermarriage in the city of Tarmud. We had yesterday. That's why it's a show. There's a lot of mamzerim in the city of Tarmud because either the Jewish women chose to marry the wealthy servants of Shlomo or they were attacked at Bishasa Churban. So says the Gemara, the Jewish people will rejoice when Mashiach comes because Tarmud will officially be destroyed. In, uh, whatever that means. The city of Tarmud, which is a place, will officially be destroyed, and that will create Simcha to Klal Yisrael to officially get rid of that city, which is like a black dot in the history of the Klal Yisrael. So the Gemara says, I, um, uh, but isn't Tarmud already destroyed? I guess they knew where Tarmud was, and I guess it was a place that was already destroyed. The answer is no. The place that's destroyed is Tarmud. Tarmud is not destroyed yet. Ravashi Yomar, he has a different shot. He says, no, Hainu Tarmud, Hainu Tarmud, they're actually both the same place. So, I, it's already destroyed. So, what does it mean that we're going to rejoice when it will be destroyed? I thought it's already destroyed. The answer is, The answer is, it's not fully destroyed. Meaning, Tarmud, the Gemara says, we'll, we'll rejoice when it's fully destroyed. I, I thought it was already destroyed. The answer is, no. When part of it is destroyed, the people move to the other side. When that side is destroyed, they move to the other side. But to officially wipe it off the planet, it has not done so, and that, that will happen when Mashiach comes. I have no idea. I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, Rav Steinzalt in his Gemara might have like a map. I have to check. I, I checked yesterday. I don't remember. He had a map, but I don't remember if it was Talmud. I, I'm assuming, listen, Talmud is clearly in Israel because that's where the servants of Shlema lived, and it was at the Churban. So it's clearly some city in Israel. I just don't know where. The Gemara continues like this. Um, so we said yesterday that one of the cities that Amon and Moab lived in that caused a lot of Kalalis, or a lot had a lot of Mamzerim and caused a lot of Tsaras to Kalalisol was Har Humania, Hamunia, Humania, whatever you describe it. So the Gemara says, Yosif Rav Hamnuna, come in, this is a weird Gemara. Rav Hamnuna was sitting in front of Ula, and he was like harassing Ula. Like he was asking a lot of kashas. He was giving Ula a lot of agmas nefesh. So Ula said the following. I, I'm not sure if Ula, I think Ula, I don't think Ula did it to like make fun of him. I don't think Ula did it to like put him down. 
I think that Ula saw that Rav Hamnuna was like harassing him in Shailas, and I think that he felt that maybe it was a sign of a lack of, you know, midas, and maybe it's because it's a Shaila in his ichas. So he said, and he knew that Rav, that Ula that Rav Hamnuna happened to be coming from was from that area of Humania. So Rav Hamnuna is asking him kashas kashas left and right. So he said, Amar Magavru Magavru, it's a choshev yid. He loved her panya maasya. If if not you, if only that you hadn't come from Hupania. Meaning, I don't think he did it to put him down, or maybe it wasn't even a lack of midas. Maybe he just knew that Rav Hamnuna came from Humania. So he said he's a choshevid. He's asking a lot of good kashas. It's a chaval that he's a mamzer. I mean, it's a chaval he comes from a city of mamzerim. So ichsev. So Ula was obviously embarrassed. Uh, so so uh, um, so so Rav Hamnuna was embarrassed. Amrle. So Ula said to him, Kesev gulgalta lehecha yavas. A lot of times you have this, you've you got to have this when it comes to like Misad the Kedushans, that they have to figure out what's the city. Like where are we? Because we're in Queens, Flushing. A lot of times it's unclear. So Humania was a city that was known to have bad yichas. Rav Hamnuna came, that, uh, came from that area. So Ula said to him, yeah, Chavali came from a place in Mamzerim. So obviously he was embarrassed by that because he didn't want people to question his lineage. The truth is he was sort of on the outskirts. So Ula said to him, when you give tax, which like district do you send it to? It's like Rav Yaakov has a shita. Again, it's not universally accepted, but Rav Yaakov's shita is that when it comes to ksubas, you should use the terminology that's used to mail letters. That was Rav Yaakov's shita. So over here, you wouldn't write Kugarn Hills. Let's say there was a chasana in the shul. You wouldn't write Kugarn Hills. You'd write Flushing. Okay, but that was Rav Yaakov's shita. So, he, so to figure out what town you're in? So Rabula said to him, "Where do you send the tax money?" So he says, "Amarle, Lupumnara. I send it to Pumnara." So he says, "Okay, imkem Pumnara at." So you're not from Hupania. Hupania and Pumnara are next to each other. Hupania was a place full of mamzerim. So he said, "You're from Hupania." So he felt bad. He said, oh, "Where do you send the money? Taxes." He said, "I sent to Pumnara." Okay, so you're a Pumnara yid. So there's no problem. My Rapania, what does Rapania mean? That's a place that was full of Mamzerim. Um, it was a mountain that all people of questionable Yichus would go for Shaduchim. And it was Rapania was Harsha Poinimboy. It was a place that everyone would go. If you had a Shail in your Yichus, meaning if you were Shikal Mamzer, you'd go there for Shaduchim. That was, that was the, the J date of Mamzerim. The Gemara says, Some say it was, if you didn't know what Shevet you were from, again, questionable. It was the dark web. It was the, that's where you would go if you had questionable yichus. Amarava, the Yamuka Mishal. And the truth is, bad, bad um, lineage is worse than Gehenim. Because Gehenim, at least you fix after 11 months. Bad lineage, once you're a Mamzer, you're a Mamzer. It's a Shiloh. I have a question on that. He was being told. So if you go to Gehenim, fine, it's stuff that you did and you're paying for it. But Mamzer, it's not. It's, it's your. It's not your fault, it's a reality. It's a reality you can't fix. But that's so... <laughs> what does it mean? It's a, it's a Matthias. It's a, people should be careful. <laughs> it shows you that you could do something that could have damage for Dyrus. You gotta be careful. And listen, and Adamarishan sinning really messed us up. Okay, you gotta be careful. I'm saying, you gotta be careful. That's, so the point is, it's it's not that it's a kid's fault. It's a reality that you can't fix, and it's worse than Gehenim because Gehenim at least you could fix. This doesn't get fixed. Yeah. Ula 
No, I think he knew he was from Herpania. So he says, Yechashu Iyah, but you're from Herpania. So then he says, to, he felt bad. So then he says, he says, where do you get the money from? So he says, okay, from, from Pumnara. Pumnara, Pumnara. Was not a place full of Gerim. It was next door to it, but it was but not a place full of Gerim. It was a good place? Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was whatever. It's so, only yeah. the other place. Yeah, it was just Herpania. So the Gemara continues, Shnemar, Miyad that I will redeem them from Gehenna, but there's no Takana for Mamzeris. The Gemara explains that, again, Horpanya, it was full of Mamzeris, but where did the Mamzeris come from? From the servants of Shlomo. Right? It all, it, it sort of rolls down. You understand? It's not like that place creates Mamzeris. It's this act, which led to that, which led to that, which led to that. So the Gemara says, Herpanya, the, the, the Mamzerim of Herpanya came from Mishon. Psul de Mishon, Mishon de Tarmut. And the Psulim of Mishon, meaning, it was sort of like people move. They eventually got to Herpanya, but they started in Mishon. And then Mishon, before Mishon, was Tarmud. Tarmud, that's where all the Mamzerim kind of lived. And then where did Tarmud come from? Avdei Shlomo, the original intermarriage between the Jews and non-Jews, the service of Shlomo. They moved to Tarmud, then they moved to Mishon, and then they moved to Herpanya. This is what people say: cover Rabbah, cover Zuta, Minogid. Big, big, uh, big, uh, big packages or small packages. They all roll down. Meaning, you start from here, and then eventually, eventually, it rolls its way. You know, trash always rolls its way down. Okay. Huh? Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm back at it. So, let's start the next mission. So, the next mission is like this. In my mind, this is why the Rebbe instituted at the time the Tzibosa, the army, the Tzibosa. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the word. created a database. Well, because of Mamzeris? Created a database for the future. Interesting. To look to an interesting side effect from Interesting. I don't know. Okay, interesting. I hear. Um, okay, so the next mission deals like this. Uh, the mission is analyzing one of the cases of the first 15 cases in the first mission, that's Eishas Achim Shalai Ba'elam. Eishas Achim Shalai Ba'elam is, you have three, two brothers, Reuben and Shimon. Reuben is married to a wife. Shimon's married to a wife. Reuben dies. So Reuben's wife is supposed to marry Shimon. And then Levi's born. Reuben's wife does, does Yibum on Shimon. Then Shimon dies. Levi cannot marry Reuben's wife because... He was ineligible. At the first Yibam, she's considered an Erevah. It's based on a Pasuk. Because he's a brother that was not alive and eligible to do Yibam at the time. Or even if he was born, but he wasn't eligible to Yibam because he wasn't alive when the first, when Reuven was, Reuven and Levi were not alive at the same time. So therefore, Reuven's widow is ineligible for Levi. And then Shimon's wife is the co-wife of Reuven's wife, Reuven's widow. So she's a Tsar of an Erevah. Yeah? So... Levi can't do it because... He was not alive uh, at the time of Reuven's... Uh, he was not alive at the same time as Reuven. Okay, but but he can't do Shimon's wife because she is an erva. She is of, a co-wife uh, of Reuven's wife, correct. A co-wife of what? Uh, Reuven's wife. Correct. Okay, fine. So correct. Just correct. Make it, yeah, so let's see the mission side. What's the example of this case of Eishas Achim Shalei Shnei Achim, you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. Meis Achim Mehem, Reuven's dies. So Reuven's widow... And then after Reuven dies, then Levi's born. So Reuven's wife, the widow, does Yibam with Shimon. And then Shimon dies. So Shimon has two wives. He has his own wife and he's got Reuven's widow. 
The halacha is neither does Yibam to Levi. Ruven's wife, Ruven's widow, which is called the Rishona. She's called the first one because she started the whole story, as the Gemara is going to point out. So she can't do Yibam with Levi because Levi is considered because he was never alive with Ruven at the same time. Correct, it's based on a Pasuk. And Shimon's wife is Potter because she's a co-wife of Enerva. Okay. And he says, Now here's the deal. What if... Now, Shimon's wife is exempt from Yibam. Hold on. Shimon's wife is from my brain. Ruben dies, no children. Shimon does Yibam on Ruben's widow. Then, then Shimon dies. So Shimon had his own wife, and he had Ruben's widow. Ruben's widow is, is an Eishas Achshalei Ba'ilam. Shimon's wife is a Tzara of an Eishas Achshalei Ba'ilam. Now, what if, instead of Shimon doing Yibam, on Ruvain's widow, Shimon just did Kedushin and then died. He died before he had a chance, right? Every Yibam, they did Mimer, just Kedushin, and then he died. So, Ruvain's widow still can't do Yibam because Levi and Ruvain were not alive at the same time. But Shimon's wife has to do Chalitza. Why? Because what's her exemption? She's a co wife of Enerva. She's not really a co wife. She's like a quasi-co-wife because they never Reuven, Shimon never married Reuven's widow. He did kedushin, so it's it's enough to make it that they're co-wife adjacent. They're co-wife enough that that she can't do yibum, but she can't just go free because she's not a real co-wife. She's not biblically. Biblically, they were never co-wives because biblically he never did yibum or chalitza. So that's yeah. So um. It, I, I thought if you had Yubam, it's Chalitza also. It's, 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 it's not. If you can't do one, you can't do the other. Isn't that what we said? No, there are no, no. The only time where you have Chalitza and not Yibam is when there's a rabbinic problem. If there's a biblical problem, they're both going to be out. The only time you do have throughout the Masechta, uh, you're right. Biblically, you're never going to have one without the other. But rabbinically, if there's a rabbinic issue, they'll say, "Ah, oh, do Chalitza not Yibam." That, that's a, it's, a, it's a rabbinic concept. You're right. Okay, so that's the Gemara. Now the Gemara before, huh? We did. Um, oh, because it's going to lead to other discussions. I, I'm not 100% sure. I think the Gemara wants... No, I think the Gemara wants to find a source for it. We have not found... We've found a source for all Ervas, because they're all learned out from your wife's sister, Achaisisha. The only one that we have not found a source for is this yet. So the Gemara wants to find a source. What's the difference between Mimer and Kedushin? Nothing. Mimer is just the Kedushin for Yibam. It's, this exact, it's the exact same thing. It's the Kedushin done before you do Yibam. It, it's exactly the same thing. I just, I just use the word Mimer. Mimer is the term for Kedushin before Yibam. Now, gotcha. now it's like this. Um, but just before we address the source, just very, very bekitzer, <laughs> if you get this good, if not, not don't, don't make yourself too crazy. You have Shimon's married to two wives, Reuven's widow and his own wife. Reuven's widow is the Erva. His own wife is the Tzara of an Erva. The Mishnah describes Reuven widow as the Rishona and his co-wife as the Shnia. Some Girsas have the opposite. That his wife is the Rishona and, and the co and, and the and the erva and the erva is the Shnia. So the Gemara just wants to know why that is. Again, it, it doesn't change any halachic ramifications. It's just a little for identifying purposes. Some say that the 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 actually is the one, and the co-wife is two. And some say no, the co-wife is one, and she's two. And the girl just wants to know where it's coming from. It, purely for 
um, uh, just identifying purposes. So the Gemara speaks it out. The Gemara says, Amar Rav Nachman, Madatani Rishayinu Lai Mishtabish, Madatani Shliya Mishtabish. Either way is fine. Meaning either way is accurate, either way makes sense. It's just two different versions of how to identify the women. Let's go through. Madatani Rishayinu, go to the next page, Lai Mishtabish, our version, which is that Reuven's widow is considered the first wife. Why does that make sense? Because she was the first one to do Yibam. This is her second. Right? This is her second Yibam. So she's the first because she, she, she's the first one to have to have done Yibam. Why is the co-wife considered second? Because she's second in the story. She's only came in the story later. But the opposite. Some define Ruvain's wife, the widow, as a Shnia. Why? As the second one. Why? Because she was the second one to marry Shimon. Right? Shimon had two wives. Which one came first? His own wife. Then then he did Yivam. So she's the second of his wives. Now here's the Kasha. She doesn't have to be the second of his wife. He could have done Yivam and then married the woman. It never said which one came first. All we know is that Shimon had two wives when he died. He could have done Yivam 20 years earlier and then five years later married the second wife. Why are you assuming that the one who did Yivam is his second wife? Could be his first wife. It doesn't change any of the case. Whether this woman is his first or second wife is irrelevant halachically. So why are you assuming that she's the second wife? Maybe she's the first wife. You could have the exact same case where Shimon was single, did Yibam, then married a woman. She's still an Erev and she's still the co-wife of an Erev. So why are you assuming that it's the case where it's his second wife, maybe it's his first wife? So the Gemara says, Yeah, you know what it means when it says second? Not that she's the second wife of Shimon, it's her second husband. She's been married twice. Shnia means twice. She's been married twice before. She married Ruven, and then she married Shem. Okay. Now, what's the source? From here to the end of the Amid, uh, not, not to the end of the Amid, there's, one, uh, there's, there's two sugyas left. One sugya is Mekairus, Sukim, Drashas, purely Drashas, not that hard. And then we'll have to talk about Zika. Also not hard, just it's an interesting concept. Um, so let's just go with the sources. What's the source that Eishas Achim Shalahe is a problem? Right? What, what's the source? It, it's, it's a sister-in-law. It's a regular sister-in-law. So what's the source that it's a problem? So the Gemara says, What's the source? The Pazim says, You do Yibam when they have two brothers, Yachtav, that were together. The Yeshvu Achim, Achim right there, those words, the word Achim, the Gemara says, Eishas Achiv means that you were brothers at the same time. So that excludes Eishas Achiv Because Levi and Reuven were not alive at the same time, no Yibam. That's word learned out from the Kiyeshvu Achim. Okay, stop. Now, from here until the end of the sugya, we're going to focus on the word Yachtav. Just completely on the side, what does Yachtav teach you? Yeshu Achim teaches you that, that you have to be alive at the same time. The two brothers have to be alive at the same time. What does Yachtav teach you? So... Let me ask you a question. Um, I'll just I'll tell you outside, and that is, which type of brother do you do Yibam on, on, on his wife? The halacha is, it's paternal. It's not maternal. Meaning, if you have a brother from the same mother, but from a different father, there's no Yibam. They, but they also don't have to be a full brother. It could be a half, as long as it's paternal. The only thing that matters is paternal. How do you know that? That's what Yachtav teaches you. So the Gemara says, Yachtav, what is Yachtav? Miuchadim and Achala. It has to be that you're that you're unique when it comes to inheritance. Yachtav means which excludes maternal brothers. So when it comes to inheritance, it goes by paternal, not maternal. 
So therefore, the Kurd Yachtov teaches you that they have to be Yachtov, meaning together, as in, which is a remez to inheritance, miyuchadim shebenachla, and therefore, it has to be paternal. Okay, that's the source. So the, how you know that it's the type of brother that you do Yibam is paternal, is Yachtov. Fine. The Gemara continues. Um, Yachtov means, Rashi describes miyuchadim enachla, haruyim leirish says that, it has to be uh, inheritable. Okay. That's the first source. Rabbi Omer, he has a different source. He says, Achim and Av, Yolif, Achua, Achua, Mibne Yaakov. Malalon Minav, Volemineim, Afkan Minav, Volemineim. He says, I have a different source. It says Achim, right? It says the word Achim over here. And it says the word Achim by, Yaakov, by the Shvatim. Now, the Shvatim, what were they? They were paternal, paternal brothers. They're different mothers, right? Rachel, Leah, Bilzel, but they were paternal brothers. And there's the word Achim there. So just like over there, it's paternal brothers, so too here, it's paternal brothers. So you have two different sources. One is from the word Yachtav, and one is from the word Achim, learned that from the children from the Shvatim. So the Gemara just says, well, if you're going to do that, um, why not learn out Achua from Arayas? It says Achicha, meaning, let me ask you a question. Are you allowed to marry your... Uh, are you allowed to live with your maternal brother's wife? No. <laughs> it's an erva, right? It may not be for Yibam, I'm saying, but it... Yeah. So let's say it's not Yibam. Could you live with her? No, because no, it says achicha. Don't live with the eshes achicha. So you see that a brother, it, it refers to brother by Arias, and that's maternal. So if you're telling me, right, you have a choice. You can learn out from the Shvatim that Achim is defined by paternal. But you can learn out from Arayas that it's defined as maternal. So the Gemara answers very specifically, the Loshan by Yibam is Achim. The Loshan by the Shvatim is Achim, an exact match. The Loshan by Arayas is Achicha, not exact match. And we're going to... You're going to do Droshas, you got to be an exact match. Donim Achim Achim, Donim Achim Achicha. So the Gemara says, Who cares? When it comes to drushes, we don't care. It doesn't have to be exact match. There's a very famous teaching of Tanur Rabbi Shmuel that when it comes to drushes, they don't have to be an exact match. As long as they mean the same thing, that's enough. So, how, your issue with learning Afam Arayas is, ah, this is Achim, that's Achicha. Who cares? It's all the same thing. It means brothers. The Gemara says, the answer is, we only go with the, if there's an option to go with the exact match, we always go with the exact match. I, Rabbi Shmuel, said when it comes to drushes, it doesn't have to be the exact match. That's when there's no exact match as an option. <laughs> yeah, if, if there's no option, we'll go with close enough. But if you have two words, you got Achim over here, you got Achicha over there, we'll go with Achim, it's an exact match. So, correct. Well, here's the Gemara's Kasha. The Gemara's Kasha like this. What about this? Oh my goodness. The Gemara says, um, What about it says, Achim by Loit? Right? Yaakov, the Avram and Loit were called Achim. Now, Loit was his wife's brother, which would mean there's Yibam on your wife's brother's wife. Your wife's brother's wife, which, yeah. Which, which is not a thing, <laughs> right? Yibam is on your brother's wife, not your wife's brother's wife. But it says, Achim by Lot. So you see that 
brothers doesn't have to be paternal or maternal. It could be your brother-in-law. So, huh? Exactly. I mean, it's the point. So why not learn out from light and to expand it? That maybe Yibam is not even by a brother-in-law. Maybe it's by, by a brother. It's by a brother-in-law. So the Gemara says no. Um... Uh, the answer is it makes more sense to learn out from the Shvatim because the word Achim in the Pasuk by the Shvatim is completely extra. It's completely unnecessary and it's telling you to, to darshan it. Why? Right? This is when Yehuda is describing who they are to, they don't know, it's Yosef at the time. And they said that there's 12 of us, we're all the children of one man, Achim. The word achim, completely unnecessary. So because it's extra, it's to tell you for a drasha. So you're right, you could learn out from light. But we'd rather learn out from this to tell you it's paternal brothers because the, the word is extra. Achim shmamino lafnuye. Now, so basically we have two sources that it's paternal. One is from achim, learned out from the shvatim, and one is from yachtav, that it has to do with inheritance. The question, why do you need both? So the Gemara says... You need both. Why? If all it has was achim, I would think maybe you could learn out from light. I mean, part of the reason why we don't learn out from light is because we already have the other drasha to tell you it's the paternal brother. If you didn't have that, it would be a little more confusing. Because the truth is, by light, it's also extra. Because he could have said reim. Right? It's like my father said, he was just trying to say friendship. He could have said reim. The fact that he said achim means that it is also kind of extra. So if you didn't have yachtav to tell you from inheritance that it's paternal brothers and it just was the word achim, you'd be stuck on do you compare it to the shvatim or do you compare it to lot? That's why he says yachtav to tell you no, it's paternal brothers. Once it says yachtav, why do I need the shvatim for? Because of rachmana yachtav, the Gemara says, because if it all it says was Yachtav, if all it says was Yachtav, I would actually say maybe you not only have to be paternal brothers, maybe you actually have to be full brothers, meaning same mom and same dad. It says the Shvatim, which were just paternal. They just had the same father, not the same mother. So the Gemara says there was a Havamina that you would actually need to be a full brother. The Gemara says, why? Havamina. Why would I think you have to be the full brother? The whole point of Yibam is to continue their inheritance. Inheritance, you never have to be a full sibling. So the Gemara says, This is marrying your sister-in-law. Right? The Torah is being Mater and Erva. You might think because it's such a novel concept that the Torah is being Mater, a woman that's normally off limits, you have to be a full sibling. A full, full brother. Meaning, it's like, I, we learned that from inheritance, inheritance is just paternal. And it says, that wouldn't be enough. Because you're dealing with mater and erva, which is already, you're already working off script. So I, I would think maybe it has to be a full sibling, a full brother. Kamash Balad, paternal zoyinid. Now, here until the end of the Ahmed, it's going to be five minutes, mamish, less than that. And it has to do with the, the concept of Zika. What it means is like this. When Wait, a woman, can you go back and explain that last uh, Havamina? The Havamina is... Why, the, why, why paternal works again? Well, the Pasuk tells you paternal works. The Gemara says, you might think if not for this Pasuk, you would have to be a full sibling, meaning paternal and maternal. The Gemara says, why would I think that? It, you never need both for halacha. The answer is, over here, you're being mater and erva. You're being mater, a sister-in-law. So you might think that in order to do yibam, which is your sister-in-law, you would need it to be the wife of your full brother, paternal and maternal, Paternal is enough. We learn out from the Shvatim that the definition of a brother is a paternal brother. You're saying even, you're saying even if the Havamina is that if without the 
this pasuk, we would have thought both, but you could if you but Correct. if you didn't have the pasuk, you could also learn out from from the shvatim who were, all, were mostly paternal. All paternal. They right. were not. They were, yeah, correct. So, so it's like this. The, the rest of the sugi is dealing with zika. What zika means is like this: when a man dies and his wife is supposed to do yibum during that time period, she's definitely bound to this man that she's not allowed to marry anyone else. That's for sure, according to everybody. The question is, is there more than that? Zika means, there's a machalikis between the tanoim of whether there's a thing called zika. Zika means that they're quasi-shtickle married. I'll give you an example of how it manifests itself. Again, he, she has to marry him to do yibam or chalitza. She can't just marry someone else. Understood. That's according to everybody. The question is, is there more? What would be an example of more? Let's say she dies. Let's say she dies. Right? She dies before doing anything. Okay? The guy who she was going to do yivam to, can he marry her mother? So if they're if they're quasi married already, then it's basically him marrying his mother-in-law. If you hold of zika, that means that they have such a strong relationship; it's kemat like they did already kedushin. Then he could never; he's off limits on her family forever, regardless of what happens. Even if she gets hit by a train, it doesn't matter; she can't can't marry the family. If you hold there's no Zika, then their only relationship is she has to do Yimar Chalitza, can't marry anyone else. That's it. There's no, there's no, they're not related in any other form. And if she dies, he can marry the mother. That's the Machlaikah. So the Gemara speaks it up. A woman who's about to do Yibam, Shemesa, and then she dies. Mutter Be'ima. The man who's going to do Yibam can marry her mother. Why? Because they had no relationship. Other than the fact that she had to do Yom Chalitza, but when she's dead, it's not like they were married already, it's not like they were engaged. Alma Kasavar Ein Zika. He holds there's no such thing as Zika. Meaning, when she's about to do Yibam, there's nothing binding them, other than the fact that they have to do Yibam, but there's nothing more than that. So the Gemara says, so, inst- so what he said, so who is this? This is Rav said that you can marry the mother. So the Gemara says, instead of saying that, why not just say there's no such thing as Zika? Make it easier. Instead of saying, you know, the woman is about to do Yibam, that she dies, you can marry the mother, just say there's no Zika. Just say, the Gemara says, Just say there's no Zika. The Gemara says, If he would have said there's no Zika, I would say, People would think that maybe he only said there's no Zika when there's two men could do Yibam. Right? By the way, there's a, there's a bigger Chiddush, right? Zika means that you're bound. I could see someone saying, is there Zika or not? I could see someone saying yes or no. Or as the Mishpacha magazine likes to say nowadays, it's complicated. I could see someone saying that there's Zika when there's one man. Right? When there's one man to do Yibam, there's only two brothers, one dies, there's only one guy left. I could see they're saying, now there's Zika because, like, it has to be me. But when there's two eligible brothers, I could see there being no Zika. Meaning, if he would have just said there's no Zika, I would think maybe there's no Zika when there's five brothers, because it's not likely that she's married to everybody. But when there's just one eligible brother to do Yibam, maybe there is Zika. So if he would have just said yes Zika or no Zika, we wouldn't know the halacha when there's multiple brothers as opposed to one brother. Therefore, he wanted to just say, you can marry the mother. Meaning, no Zika in all cases. Ain't Zika. That was a, that was the sense. So the Gemara says, So just say there's no Zika in any case. The answer is, The answer is, if you would have just said there's no Zika, it, it would have been a little mis- misleading. Well, I'll tell you why. If you hold there's no Zika, right? That means that there's a woman about to do Yibam. There's no Zika, meaning 
What does that mean? There's nothing binding you. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Instead of marrying her, you decide, there's no Zika. I heard the rabbi say there's no Zika. There's nothing binding us. I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry her, uh, her daughter now. Now, once you marry her daughter, you can't do Yuma anymore, right? Yeah. I heard there's nothing binding us. The answer is, saying there's no Zika could be misleading. Because there's still something binding you, obviously, in order to do Yibam. All we mean is that there's nothing more than that. So if he would have just said there's no Zika, people would have been misled as to... All in Zika means that we're not, we're not married already. But you still have to go through with Yibam or Chalitza. It's not like you could just say, hey, I'll see you later, go marry someone else. You can't do that. That's the first version of the Gemara. Uh, the Gemara has a quick kasha, then we'll end the daf. The Gemara says, Tanan... The, Bryce, the Mishnah says that if a woman who's about to do Yibam dies, so we said before, you can marry her mother, because there's no Zika. This Mishnah says you can marry her sister. Now her sister, the halacha is when a wife dies, you can marry the sister. So marrying the sister is not a proof at all to anything. right? We're saying you can marry the mother. That's a chiddush. That means that you were never related. Over here it says you can marry her sister. Her sister could be you're actually married to her already. The halacha is that when a wife dies, you can marry her sister. It's the only erva that's mutter after the wife dies is to marry her sister. So when the Mishnah says that the Yavama, the woman who's about to Yivam, before she does even dies, you can marry her sister, that's not a proof at all. If anything, it's actually a proof contrary. Because if she could marry her mother, say that, right? It's just you can marry the sister. That's not a proof at all. So the Gemara says, in imaloi. The implication is you can only marry the sister, not the mother. And you're telling me you can marry the mother. So the Gemara says, no. Who The truth is you can marry the mother. So why does it say sister? It said sister because the beginning of the Mishnah uh, was talking about a wife. And it's saying that after the wife dies, you can marry the sister. So the end of the Bryce is talking about Yavama. It says after the Yavama dies, you can marry the sister. It's not a proof either way. It was just for the flow of the Mishnah. Let's just finish up. So this first version is that you're allowed to marry the mother because there's no Zika. Now some have the opposite version, which is you're not allowed to marry the mother. If a woman who's supposed to do Yibam dies before doing Yibam or Chalitza, you're not allowed to marry the mother because there is Zika. The Igad Amri, and some say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Amar, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, Shemeris Yom Shemesa that a woman who's about to do Yibam that dies, you're not allowed to marry the mother because there's Zika, so you're already quasi-engaged to her. And then it's like marrying your mother-in-law. Alma Kasava Yesh Zika, because the old day is, is Zika, so the Gemara is the, is the exact same flow, just backwards. Just say that. Why do you have to say you're, allowed to, you're not allowed to marry the mother? Just say there's a thing called Zika. The Gemara says, because if they would have said there's Zika, I would say maybe there's only Zika when there's one man who's supposed to do Yivam, but when there's five brothers, there's no Zika. So he said you're not allowed to marry the mother, which is a universal way of saying there is a thing called Zika. I, Vahaki, Pligi, betray Pligi. But what do you mean? that The argument is when there's two people. So how could you say that if I would have said Yesh Zika, I would think there's only Zika when one, but not by multiple. They argue in all situations. The Gemara says, Yomar Halki. Go to the next page. Havamin mechaim. Avlachar misa pakel zika. Kamash molon. The zika dibchdi loy pakel. The Gemara says if he would have just said there's zika, I would say there's zika when she's alive, forcing you to do yibam chalitza. But after she dies, maybe you could marry the mother. Kamash molon meaning basically as we had before, saying zika or no zika is unclear. Better to just say the halacha. The Gemara just says one quick proof. Let's bring a proof that you're not allowed to marry the mother. 
after the Yavama dies, because it says Yavim Teshemesa Muta Bachosa. It says you're allowed to marry the sister, the Bachosa in Imalo, which implies you're not allowed to marry the mother. So this is a proof that if the woman who's about to do Yibam dies, you're not allowed to marry the mother because there's Zika. So the answer is no, as we said before. The answer is the reason why it says sister is not to bring proofs, mother, no mother, it's just for the flow of the Mishnah. All right, we'll stop here. The last part you might have to watch, uh, re-listen, just because it's getting late. But.